Welcome to the AudioCast at samluce.com. Episode 7, Holy Thursday, Lord Have Mercy. The phrase Kyrie Eleeson is translated Lord Have Mercy in English. The power and need for this prayer from the church has become more valuable and needed than ever. When we are at our weakest, we are most aware of our need for God's mercy. In America, we have deified love. We say God is love and this is true, but not how we mean it. God is love, but he's not only love. He's, he's holy love. He's, he's so different than what we would understand love to be. So when we talk about God being love, we need to make sure that we understand what that actually looks like. I think describing God's love in terms of mercy is a much better way to go. Love for us holds a romantic notion in the Rick Astley sense. We want a God who will never do anything to let us down and never do anything to us that we don't like. When we think of God in terms of how we desire and experience love, we fail to understand the justice and holiness of God that is seen for us in his love for us through experienced mercy. I love how Ephesians 2 says this. It is uh, Paul describing to us of what we're like in our sins. We're dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sins, following the prince of the power of the air. In his description of us, he says that we're both guilty and lost. He then pivots and describes who God is, what God is like. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which with he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Mercy presupposes guilt and salvation. Love presupposes our experience with love. What we want is love. What we need is mercy. God comes to us in mercy. But again, we misunderstand what mercy looks like. Two of the greatest authors in the 21st century didn't. Tolkien and Lewis both understood God's mercy. In a moving blog post at Desiring God, the author describes Tolkien's understanding of mercy. He says this, In October of 1958, Tolkien wrote a letter to Miss Bear, an inquiring reader who had a host of particular and specific questions about the Lord of the Rings. In a follow-up letter, actually just a draft of that letter, which was never sent, Tolkien pens a paragraph that is deeply impacting, writing about the immortality of elves and the mortality of men. A mortality the elves coveted, Tolkien says. A divine punishment is also a gift if accepted since its object is ultimate blessing and the supreme inventiveness of the creator will make punishments, that is, changes in designs, produce a good not otherwise to be obtained. Therefore, a man is subject to death and suffering and loss, like Tolkien and each of us, is to be envied for the precious gift we receive because of the punishments we received, the consequences of sin, the awful changes to the original design brought about by the fall. Tolkien goes on to say, a mortal man has probably, as an elf would say, a higher if unrevealed destiny than a, long, than a longer one. That is, than an elf who never dies. The loss of a father or mother or brother or child then, as much as we would never ask for it, would never want it, can be a gift if accepted, says Tolkien, because it can bring about a greater good, an ultimate blessing we would never have enjoyed without having felt the pain and heartache. Mercy is, is the love of God acting in concert with his justice. Mercy is the love of God working together with all his other attributes. When we ask God for mercy, 
We're asking him to intervene in our world and in our lives, but we're also asking for him to transform us, to transform our hearts, to see his punishments as gifts. Tolkien's colleague, C.S. Lewis, shared his friend's understanding of mercy. One of Lewis' friends wrote to Lewis about the passing of his wife. Lewis's response was one that was marked by his own particular need for God's mercy. One way or another, the thing had to die. Perpetual springtime is not allowed. You are not cutting the wood of life according to the grain. There are various possible ways that it could have died, though both the parties went on living. You were treated with a severe mercy. You have been brought to see how very true and how very frequent it is that you are jealous of God. There are many ways in which their relationship could have ended, as all relationships do come to an end. But Lewis was saying to his friend that your relationship ended in love, and that was a severe mercy. Lewis reminded his friend Sheldon of the mercy of God towards him, that even though his wife was taken, God had not left him. In fact, Sheldon came to a saving faith in Christ through the death of, through the death of his wife. His loss was a severe mercy. As we approach the close of Holy Week, let's pray together for the mercy of God. Let's ask God who in his love and grace knows exactly what to do, no matter what that may look like. Let us pray to God who will, that he will extend mercy on us and change our hearts to such an extent that we'll see punishments also as gifts and his love for us also as severe mercies. I love Charles Spurgeon. One of the severe mercies of God for us was the depression that Spurgeon faced. It made him into a man who preached differently, wrote differently, and proclaimed the gospel through the centuries to a people who were racked with anxiety and depression. This last year was a difficult one for me personally. One of the messages that meant so much to me in this last year was one where Spurgeon, where he talked about the tender mercy of God in the removal of our darkness. He says it in such a powerful way that only Spurgeon could. I hope God's mercy meets you as you read it. I pray hope floods your soul as it did mine when Spurgeon describes the goodness of God and the mercy of God. The visits of God are like dayspring because they end our darkness. The dayspring banishes the nights. Without noise or effort, it removes the, e the ebon blackness and sows the earth with orient pearl. Night stretches her bat wings and is gone. She flies before the arrows of advancing sun. The coming of Jesus to us when he really does come into our hearts, takes away the darkness of ignorance, sorrow, carelessness, fear, and despair. Our night is ended once and for all. Our night is ended once and for all when we behold God visiting us in Christ Jesus. Our day may cloud over, but night will never return. O oh, you who are in the blackest night, if you would but get a view of Christ, morning will have come for you. There is no light for you anywhere else. Believe us in this, but if you have seen Jesus by faith, you shall need no candles of human confidence nor sparks of feelings or impressions. The beholding of Christ shall be the end of night for you. I love that. The beholding of Christ shall be the end of night for you. This is the word for us. This is the word for our nation and the world. This Holy Thursday feels particularly cloudy. I am, however, thankful for the tender and severe mercies of God. I pray that you'll join me this Lenten season as we pray for our Lord to have mercy, that we will have been spared but also that we will be transformed, that we'll be protected from harm, but at the same time, that we'll be transformed in such a way that we, like Tolkien, would be able to say, are not God's punishments also gifts?